Father God, I thank you for our kids, Lord. And we know that our kids are just a gift from you. Just such a blessing that they are. I love seeing uh, other people's kids up here just filling the stage. And as the kids go back to their classrooms in promised land and fusion and elevate. And meet on Wednesday nights as they fill this building. God, I pray that you'd help us to continue to pour into the next generation and point them to you. As people are walking away from the church and walking away from the faith, God, would that not be true at Crossroads? But that we would be raising up the next generation of spiritual leaders. And that you would place your clear call on the hearts of these kids, that they would know that they're not here just to have fun and just make much of themselves and build a career and build a retirement portfolio, but God, that they would be here to build your kingdom and invite people to placing their faith and trust in Jesus. God, I pray for Joel as he is um, just battling, struggling against this, this virus and the after effects. God, that you would right now this morning bring strength to his body. That you would heal him, Lord. And that he'd be able to pull out and pull through and get back to being with his family for the holidays. God bless us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I've become more and more convinced in the last few years that everyone in our world is hurting. Every single person is hurting. Sometimes I hear of individual stories, actually every single week I hear of individual stories of people who are hurting. But I'm absolutely convinced that every single one of us is deeply wounded. I know that there's major things going on in every one of our lives. There's marriages in this room that are on the brink. The D word, divorce, has been thrown around numerous times, even maybe in the last few weeks or months. Tragedy has struck your family. Loss of family members or friends. Suicide becoming a pandemic. Division is real. People becoming reclusive. Wounds being ripped open, illness, terminal disease, tragedy. And we're reaching a boiling point as the pressures are pushing against us. I'm hearing not only in the private school, but in the public school, kids are acting out. Our, our children are acting out in the school, behavior worse than normal, way worse. Why? Because the pressure on their parents, the pressure just from society that's pushing on, in on them, it, it's revealing where we're at. Out of the cold is, is our series. And out of the cold is about, as we think about the winter and the frigid temperatures, that there's warmth available. There's warmth available, the warmth of Jesus Christ. Over 10 years ago, a friend of mine was at his cabin for the weekend. He was deer hunting. I guess I had to slip a deer hunting story in. His cabin is in the north woods of Minnesota. It overlooks Big Sandy Lake. And it was the afternoon as he was looking out on the lake, the temperatures were in the 30s and there was a little bit of ice forming in some of the bays on the lake. And there happened to be a duck hunter 
in a small duck hunt, duck boat, just a few hundred yards from shore. And as my friend was watching, something caused the duck hunter to lose his balance and fall into the frigid water, fully clothed. His gun goes in the lake and everything that was in the boat sinks. And the man struggles to keep his head above water as his clothes become heavy with water. Man soon began to swim to shore, swimming for his life. My friend called 911 and watched the man try to propel himself through the water, not knowing if this guy would die right before his eyes. There were no boats available to go out to save the man. Everything was put away for the winter. So all he could do was watch and wait. And the hunter swam and swam and pushed and clicked, kicked and clawed his way through the icy waters as best as he could with his clunky clothing. And for what seemed to be hours, the man eventually and barely miraculously made it to the shore. My friend caught him at the shore and this guy was exhausted, barely able to move. And they brought him over out of the cold and into the cabin. There was a, a fireplace with the neighbors wood burning on it. And they brought him right next to the fire and they sat him down as his body shook uncontrollably. They wrapped him in blankets, got his wet clothes off and tried to bring his core temperature back up to a livable range as they waited for the first responders to come. Eventually, the first responders got there and they whisked him away to the hospital. He lived, but it was a scary experience. He easily could have died. You know, some of us, we are out in the cold, in this cold world, and we're dying and we might not even know it. Some of us are drowning and maybe we do know it. Some of us are cold because of this harsh environment that we barely have a pulse. And it's evident to those around us, especially the ones that we love the most. comes out everything that's pressing in on us through hurtful words and actions and short fuses and bouts of depression. We're dying on the inside as we pierce those around us. And to come out of the cold is to mean that we don't have to stay in the frigid environment. But there is heat and there is warmth available. We don't have to stay where we are. Luke one twenty six says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored Woman, that was our message last week. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord 
is with you. The Lord is with you. Do you feel like the Lord is with you? Do you feel like God is with you? Am I all alone or is he here with me? Does he care? Does he know? Does he understand what I'm going through? Imagine what Mary would go through. She is minding her business, just a young girl, 12 to 15 years old. And God interrupts her. This angel appears to her and communicates to her, hey, Mary, I have something for you. But what if Mary didn't want it? What if Mary's like, uh, no, um, God, I'm gonna just like fade into the background. You know, I'm this lowly servant girl. I'm just gonna just kind of chill. I don't really wanna be the mother of the Savior. But God says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary's like, I would settle for be on a roll, kid. Maybe A on roll, but the son of God? No, thanks. That comes with some extra stuff. That comes with some drama. That comes with some tumultuous times. But God says, no, Mary, I have chosen you. You're the one. You're the one. And this humble girl, God comes and says, you're going to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Mary became a big deal in history. In in her day, she wasn't that big of a deal. But ever since then, and, and to this day, there's people around the world that worship Mary and pray to Mary, okay? The Bible doesn't instruct that, but people do that. There's statues of her hung in uh, cathedrals and churches and people's homes. She's known by some as the greatest woman ever. And it's not what she asked for. It's not what she asked for. She would birth Jesus, she would raise him in the Lord. She would take care of him and change his diapers. I don't know what they used for diapers back then. Probably cloth. And 30 years later, she would watch her innocent son be falsely accused, be mocked and beaten, convicted, tortured, watch the blood pour out of him as he died a slow, painful death. How would you like to see your son go through that? How would you like to see anyone's son go through that? Just imagine the agony that she experienced. It's interesting that after 
Jesus is 12 years old. They, they, they visit the temple in Luke chapter 12 and Mary and Joseph, they, they lose Jesus, okay? They, they're in Jerusalem and then they leave Jerusalem. They're probably with a bunch of people and they're just assuming Jesus is with all the other kids and they leave and they're like eventually getting miles down the road and they're like, where's our son? We forgot him at Walmart. Let's leave him there. He'll be fine. But that story is the last time that his father, Joseph, is mentioned. And and as I was looking at this passage this week, some of the people who really study the Bible and look into the biblical history believe that Joseph, Mary Joseph, Joseph died some point before Jesus began his ministry. Do you know that? I, I didn't know that. He, he doesn't show up anymore throughout the gospels after that point when Jesus was 12. So between 12 and 30 years old, Joseph probably passed away. And there's more evidence of this because when Jesus is being crucified, he asked John, he said, John, will you, this is not his words, but he asked John to take care of his mom to treat her like he was the son. And John, when Jesus left, took Mary into his home as if she were his mother and he took care of her. Man, Mary went through a lot. Single mom, watching her son just be brutalized. And then had him leave at such a young age. She didn't even have a proper birth for this Christ, the Son of God. At, at my parents' cabin near Alexandria, Minnesota, there's a Catholic church. And, and outside this Catholic church, there's a statue of Mary, okay? And uh, we're... We're, I've never wasn't raised Catholic, and so there's a lot of things about the Catholic Church that I don't know. And so, but I drove by this church, and you got the statue of Mary right out front. The church is called uh, the Lady of the Seven Dolors, okay? And, and Dolors is sorrows, and there, her chest is exposed, like the insides of her chest and her heart. You can see her heart. There's seven swords into her heart. It's like, you know, I thought the churches that had Jesus on a white horse out front were intense. It's like, that church must be intense, man. Imagine we had that out front. People would be like, wow, wonder what they do. <laughs> but these, these seven uh, dollars is, is it's this, this Catholic tradition that they see these seven sorrows, seven sufferings of Mary. The first one is when Simeon tells Mary and Joseph that their child will cause the falling and rising of many. And then he says, Simeon says, a sword will pierce your soul too. Hey, your son's gonna suffer, but you know what? So are you. That was sword number one. 
Then it was when the second one they observe is when they have to, Mary and Joseph have to flee Egypt because uh, for Egypt, for Herod is trying to kill Jesus, right? So they have to run away from Herod. Three is when they lost Jesus in Jerusalem at Walmart. Four is when they believe Mary and Jesus, uh, as they believe Mary Mary met Jesus on the way where he's crucified. Okay, that's not in scripture, but they believe that that happened. Five is the crucifixion as Mary watched. Six is Jesus been taken down from the cross. And seven is when Jesus is buried. The seven sorrows of Mary. And really what I take out of that, we, we don't, we're not a seven dollars church or whatever, but what I take out of this is, hey, Mary suffered. Simeon, what did Simeon say? Her soul was pierced. Your soul will be pierced. Mary's thinking, hey, I didn't sign up for this. But God says, I have something for you, something important. And sometimes what God has for us isn't always the easiest. Sometimes God brings us through difficult trials. You know, some people, I I was talking to somebody this week and they were like, you know, trying to figure out, hey, why did my loved one pass away? Did God kill them? Did God take them? And my answer is no, God did not kill your loved one. Now, God can prevent that. God can intervene. But death is the result of sin. You look at the book of Job, and Job, he lost his whole family, almost, except for his wife. And she was rough. (laughs) She said, curse God and die. There's some good advice, right? (laughs) Not a good idea. His sons and daughters all killed. Servants killed. And, and you know who was responsible for that? The enemy. The enemy was responsible for that. And there's a lot of trials that we go through. And, and we're tempted to blame God. And God can prevent things. But really, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. If they did this to me, what do you think they're going to do to you? Paul says, to live is Christ. Well, how did Christ live? It was rough at the end. We're going to go through trouble. But the angel said, Mary, greetings. You are highly favored. Okay? You might not be favored with the Romans. You might not be favored with the Jewish leaders but you are favored by God the Father. And the Lord is with you. Man, even if everyone walks away, the Lord is with me. Even though I'm alone for Christmas and for Thanksgiving, the Lord is with me. Even though I lost my mother or father, the Lord is with me. Even though I lose my job, Even though I go through this torturous illness, the Lord is with me and God would sustain her through all the trials and he would never leave her side. He would comfort her and give her peace and strength and courage. You know, some people, some people want to live on earth as long as possible. 
And I believe the people who wanna live on earth as long as possible don't have an eternal perspective. They don't see the world through the scriptures. Because the scriptures say that, that we live in a broken world. That things are, are jacked up. Illness, disease, famine, plague, earthquakes, fire. My sister was at home in St. Louis the other day and all of a sudden this year's something raining down on her house. The house exploded and there's debris falling on her house. Just this crazy world that we live in. Left and right. But there is a hope in the future for all in Christ. And heaven is not in the clouds. I've said this numerous times. Heaven's not in the clouds, but heaven is when God creates a new earth. That's what heaven is for all those who believe and trust in Jesus. A new earth, okay? As we were like, hey, I want to stay on this rock as long as possible. The new earth that God creates, what we refer to as heaven, is everything good that earth has with no evil. God removes evil. And it's just everything that's good. So those of us who love the earth or want to stay here, we just need to understand what heaven is. It's so much better. So much better. There's one thing, that, that, that multiple things, but one thing that isn't in the new heaven that God creates. And that is the sun, the S-U-N, the sun, okay? One of my kids asked me this week, he said, Dad, what happens if the sun explodes? We probably won't even notice, right? We'll just disappear. The sun explodes, bad things happen, right? We're not worried about the sun exploding though. But, but life on earth is dependent on the sun, right? Because light and heat, right? Light and heat, it gives us warmth. In heaven, there is no more sun. There's no sun, S-U-N. There's no sun on the new earth. Why? Listen to what Revelation 21, 23 is. This is powerful. And the city, the city, the new Jerusalem on the new earth has no need of sun or moon. There's no need. For the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. It says in the scriptures that God lives in unapproachable light that he will light the new earth and he will give warmth to the new earth. And if you are out in the cold, you need to understand that the warmth is found in Jesus Christ. The lamb is its light. That's where the warmth is found. So we can go play around in our society and get banged up time and time again. Hit dead end after dead end. Get bruised and beaten and wounded. And trying to fight and fight and fight just to survive. Or we can surrender our lives to the Lord. We just surrender. We can, and, and that doesn't mean that you don't get beat up. That doesn't mean that you don't go through trials. That doesn't mean you don't experience suffering. But it means that while you're on this side of eternity, that every day 
you warm up with the light of Christ. Please pray with me. God, I I thank you that even though we are in this dark world, that you have good. You have good plan for us. God, that even though we messed up creation, that you have a new creation that you are preparing for us. A place with no more sickness, no more disease, no more tears, and no more pain. And God, as we struggle through this world, like the guy who was struggling to swim, that you would give us courage and strength. God, that you would pick us up when we fall. God, through the tragedy that you'd help us to keep pressing forward, knowing that our afflictions are temporary. These trials are light and momentary, even though they don't feel like that, in comparison to the glory that you have for those who trust in you. God, if there's people here today that are lost in the world of sin, that keep going down all these dead ends, that are suffering, that don't know you, that have walked away from you, that are all alone in the cold, God, I pray that they would draw near to you. That they just admit all their wrongdoing, everything that keeps them from you. And they would receive Jesus' grace and forgiveness and that you would cleanse them of their sin. We thank you for sending Jesus. And even though Jesus went through the mess and even though Mary went through the trials, there was victory. For unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Thank you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Have a great week.